Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, I'm Fazia Costi. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful morning. Today we have an amazing guest for you. Her name is Mary Hager. Uh, she is a college counselor, an independent educational consultant, and um, she does phenomenal work helping students get into college. Um, welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. I'm so excited to have you on today because I think you're going to really help shed some light on the educational system and how everything's happening right now because COVID, I think, has changed so much about how people get into college right now. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this field? Absolutely. Um, I uh, have been doing this for about eight years, but prior to that, my educational background is in social work. So I actually have a master's in social work and practice in hospitals for seven years in the Midwest, in Minneapolis and Chicago, and then went on to a short stint in technical recruiting, um, matching software engineers and hardware engineers to companies. And guess what? All of these skills were the same, assessing situations and figuring out resources and matches for uh, people, humans' unique um, needs and goals. Um, so as I you know, took some time off and raised my kids for a little bit, I came back in and really wanted to look at um, a field where I could help and use my counseling um, and help you know, in a complicated situation. I was fortunate enough to work for charter schools here in the Phoenix area for a number of years before I broke out on my own. And I'm just finishing my second year as an independent college consultant. Loving the work. Oh, I bet. Um, you must have a blast matching students to schools. Um, how do you, you know, how, how did you get involved in this specifically in colleges? I mean, did something specifically intrigue you about matching students to colleges? Or, I mean, because jumping from social work to <laughs> this is, is kind of a big leap. You know, it's it's one of those things, and it's a little strange to say, but I even tell my own children, as I look to get back to work, I was first looking at um, doing some recruiting because I, I had that background, and I thought it'd be great to do it with schools. And then I had this little whisper that said, you should think about, you know, do some informational interviewing with a college counselor. And I did that. I just reached out and said, tell me what you do. Uh, tell me how I can get into this. Um, and then, of course, had to interview for jobs as well. But but really, um, it, what intrigued me was um, the changing process of college admissions um, and then and just figuring out how I could help students and families through the ever-changing landscape of it. Well, right now, we're, we're all dealing with COVID. And I think... So I'd like to kind of direct our conversation towards how things are yeah. moving along with COVID, but I would love to have you back on the show when COVID is over and have you talk about how the process changes again, because yeah. I think it's going to be fascinating. Right now, I'd love to know, um, you know, what does holistic uh, review of college applicants look like? Like, how, how, do you, how do you do that? 
Yeah. So the holistic review, we could talk about that kind of pre-COVID and then what's happening now. So, you know, prior to COVID, um, depending on the school, and that's you're going to hear that from any of your high school counselors or college counselors, and it's super legitimate. So depending on the school, um, they they may they're looking at GPA for sure and test scores. So either the ACT or the SAT, again, prior to COVID. And then oftentimes private schools will be looking at um, what else, what else have you done? What are your extracurricular activities? How do you spend time outside? of school. What do your teachers have to say about you? Like, who are you in the classroom? Um, How do you interact with your peers? Also, what does your high school counselor have to say about you? Um, Who are you within the school? Some of the students I work with, the minute the bell rings or the end of the school day, they're off into their community doing community service, or they may be doing dance, or they may be going to a job to help their family. And that's so okay. So holistic review means that the giving all the um, information that you can to the colleges so that they can review your application within the context of your life. Um, Colleges are great and they're just very aware that some students, especially now through COVID, um, the students have taken quit all their extracurriculars and taken on a job to help pay bills at home. And that is taken into account as they review their application. So it's any number of factors, putting the student in context and then reviewing the application accordingly. Has the requirements to get into college changed because of COVID? Um, So, you know, the one main thing that I think the main discussion is testing. So um, the challenge this year is, well, let me begin by saying that the majority of colleges did go test optional this year, meaning that students did not have to submit an ACT or an SAT score along with their application. Um, what, what has been challenging in this landscape is that each state had different um, you know, requirements for you know, students where they were not either allowed to test or that it was sort of wide open. And so what's happening in this process is students are submitting their test scores, um, even though they're not required. Um, And again, that's part of that context. So um, we are all in this field as educational consultants, high school counselors, um, really trying to get that transparency from colleges as they release their acceptances. How many students are they taking that didn't submit test scores? They are still taking those test scores and looking at them if they have them as far as um, the review process. So why would I, as a student, want to take the SAT if a school is going to take a student without the SAT score? Uh, It's such a good question. I want to preface this that, and I talked to my own um, clients about this. Uh, You know, I don't support them testing in a pandemic. They may go ahead and do it anyway. But for some students, they feel like their ability to test or if they feel like they're a very good test taker adds to their academic profile. I can't, I can't comment what the colleges are going to think about that, right? So that would be that motivation, like, wait a second, I feel like I really shine in a standardized test in the standardized testing world, right? So I want to go ahead and take that and then add that to my application. So how does that change the application process from the school's perspective? If I'm sitting there evaluating five different applicants and three of them have SAT scores and two do not, what, what's the deciding factor if they're all equal other than the SAT scores? 
Pause. Yeah, if I had that question, I would answer. I would answer to that question. I would be in. And uh, yeah, I'm, I do not know. Um, it's going to depend on their priorities. I mean, there were 900 colleges prior to COVID that didn't require test scores. They really feel like, and and the majority of colleges will say the most important factor is the classes you're taking in high school. And how well are you doing in those classes? How rigorous are those classes? And so um, if the information is in front of them, it just depends on the college, on how they decide for the test scores, like how are they going to integrate that into deciding whether or not they're going to accept the, the student or not. A good rule of thumb is this that I've been telling my clients. Um, you really need to look at last year's accepted student's profile and see if your test score is within that range of like the 50th percentile or above. If it is, it may be a good idea to submit an add to your application to, I don't know, I mean, I guess hoping that would strengthen it, right? If it's below, then you're kind of in luck this year, right? Um, because you may be in a situation, if you're a great student, not particularly a good test taker, that you may be getting great consideration from colleges who wouldn't have considered you in the past. So there's the plus on that, on test optional. And so I think colleges are going through this um, evaluation themselves, like, whoa, we're seeing some great students who don't have test scores that are fantastic humans, right? They're going to be great students and additions to our campus, do we need to rethink this process in the future about standardized testing? Absolutely. Um, I, think, I think that's a really good question. I, I used to work for Western Governors University and, you know, so I'm familiar with the educational system and, you know, I, th I think that does need to be reevaluated because there are so many schools that do not require the SATs or the ACTs or the GREs for that matter, if you're going to graduate school. Right. So that's fascinating. Um, mm -hmm. how, how are colleges changing the way they do business besides the SAT and, and besides the testing? How are they changing um, the way they do business um, with students? How are colleges changing? Have you noticed anything from your perspective? In relation to COVID? Correct. Um, you know, I would say that well, the common application, which is that one application students fill out for all, added a, a COVID question this year to to understand how stu what students were going through during that time. And that really adds to the context. So, you know, U.S. schools are so different than international in the sense of they're wanting to know all this extra information, right? In the, in the they want to put students in the context of their situation. So that being said, if a student can clearly communicate to a college that, you know, they lost their grandmother to COVID or they lost a parent to COVID. Parents had job losses due to COVID, that that needs to be communicated. We'll see this year if they continue to, um, with that question, that was something that was an addition this year. So um, I think that that piece is evaluated. And for some students, it really wasn't, I don't want to say a big deal because I think emotionally it was a big deal for everybody. Sure. Um, but, but sort of what was their response? And if there wasn't this gosh, you know, job loss, you know, death in the family. Was there anything that they took initiative to do than to help others? Which I think is, a, you know, that can be challenging even for an adolescent who's trying to figure out how do, how do I manage all this? My parents seem nervous, right? Everybody's a little nervous. It's, I can see that it's, parent, it's hard for me to do online school or my school's going back in session. I'm nervous about that. Will I bring it home to parents? So 
you know, they're looking, I think the key for when I work with students now is to really in getting to know them and be able to communicate that effectively, um, their own situation to the colleges. So they can put that particular student in context of, of the entire application. It's meaning behind the test scores and the, and what you've, what you've taken, what classes you've taken, and maybe a dip in grades if there was a death in the family due to COVID, which that's, that's a lot of students. So that's when we're talking about um, getting to know your counselor. If you can, it's difficult, right? It's, some students are still online in large districts, but reaching out to the counselor um, so that they know your situation, so that they can communicate that to colleges in their letter of recommendation. Same with the teachers, making sure they're like, I don't know my teacher. And it's now approaching March of my junior year, and I'm supposed to be getting their letter of recommendation from my junior year. It's like, well, you still have time. Reach out to your teacher. Do they have Do they have hours, tutoring hours? Do they have, you know, start attending those. So those kind of things really, I think, help students feel supported and then also helps them, um, you know, make that connection which with the school who will be speaking on behalf of the student as well. Yeah. Um, so as we continue talking about the application process a little bit, and you've talked about these letters of recommendations, is there anything specific that a student should have um, in a letter of recommendation? Is there something that, that schools look for? Yeah. Um, so what I would do is my advice for students, uh, as far as letters of recommendation, a little extra information for you, Fauzi, I guess, but it's great <laughs> to get it from junior year if you can. There is a discussion ongoing with colleges right now. I was on a webinar yesterday with colleges that they are very open to taking sophomore teachers' letters of recommendation when you were in school and they know you better. But um, that being said, honestly, you should really have, if you can, um, from two core, core classes, meaning either one from um, math or science and then another one from like English or history and most recent is best junior year that's kind of pre-COVID like I said if, it's, sure. if you just feel more comfortable asking that sophomore teacher do that so really what they're looking for and, I, and and you know students can't write them right but what right. they can do to optimize that is um, you know ask early make sure that your teachers um, have weeks to write this for you and ask if you can in person not COVID, ask over Zoom, you know, um, ask, at, hey, can I talk to you at the end of class or in office hours or even an email um, before just, would, would you be okay? Um, could you write a good letter of recommendation for me? I always say four weeks is really ideal. What are the colleges looking for in those letters? They're really trying to understand who you are in the classroom, right? So, you know, what is your intellectual curiosity like? How do you engage with the material? How do you engage with your peers? And again, it does feel like so different in COVID. Colleges understand that. Um, and, and that's, again, one of those things. Like if you're feeling like, gosh, I was oh, my, my biology teacher from 10th grade is such a better person to write that for me, then ask the sophomore teacher to write that for you. Um, and, and so I think it is sort of like, you know, I've talked to students who, um, or do so well in these classes and they'll, instead of talking every time the teacher asks for an answer, they'll wait. And the teacher knows that. These are the things that they want to know. What kind of student are you? Um, so the other thing to note is ask the teacher if there's any information that they need from you to help them write the letter. That's not because they maybe don't know you. Maybe it is because they don't know you. But also, um, 
just just sometimes it's jogging their memory. Like, do you remember that time? Exactly. I, you know, I, yeah, because the teachers have a lot of students and they care about all their students and they want to write a good letter. So I advise my clients to hey, make sure you ask your teachers, is there anything that you need from me? And then the last thing I always say is make sure you write a thank you, even if it's a thank you email at this point. Teacher, this is, I mean, junior teachers know that it's part of their job to write letters of recommendation, but still they will often do that on their own time. And I just say it's such a nice gesture to write a thank you as well. Absolutely. You know, um, I've written quite a few letters of recommendations for students and um as you said, you know, as as teachers, we have so many students and we want to do a good job for each one of them. So I always ask students to send me a little note with like five things that they really would love to see in that letter. Just just the topics. What are five things you'd like me to talk about? And then mm-hmm. that's what I focus my letter on. And usually I keep notes, you know, on what I've, you know, in my grade book on my students, you know, are they, you know, are they good listeners? Are they good with Mm -hmm. students? Are they, you know, on time every day? So things like that, I I like to point out as well. But if they give you that note to kind of jog your memory, it's so helpful. It's It's so so incredibly helpful. helpful. Yeah, yeah. The anecdotes are huge. So like you said, it's being able to the five points, but to say you're an excellent, you're very curious in class and then give an example of that. And sometimes that's where the students can really help the teachers in remembering those things. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes what I observe is not necessarily what they think is important. So it's nice for them to say, hey, I really would love it if you could include this in there. Okay, I yeah, I agree with you on that point. So I will. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the um, SAT, SAT, ACT, and GRE scores. When is a good time, if a student wants to submit those scores, when is a good time to take those mm-hmm. tests? And, mm-hmm. and at what point do you submit it if you want to um, attend in that fall semester? And does it differ in the U.S. versus outside of the country or does it differ within the country? Very good question. So um, I would say the best time to take it is, you know, starting like towards the end of junior year, mid-junior year, mid-junior year, if you can. Um, And usually you can find um, practice tests for each on their website. So like actstudent.org or College Board for the SAT. And you can take a practice test. And actually, it's really easy to find like concordance to see if there's um, if there's a test like your brain likes better, right? Um, right. And, sometimes, and sometimes for students, it's like, well, I actually like taking the ACT better. And I'm like, well, prep for that test, you know, either get books for that or, or decide on a test. But, but I would say, you know, decide on one and really prep for that. Um, typically, um, you know, I would say taking it twice, two to three times as good, diminishing returns after the third time. And so starting junior year, and they kind of have stacked it like, you know, ACT will be February, April, June, you know, college board, the SAT will be March. Uh, May, um, June, July. Now, that being said, they have changed a little bit. ACT added a number of um, test dates in the fall. So students should just continue to check College Board and ACT to see what's happening. They actually did add two years ago summer dates as well. So oh, often, nice. 
summer, yes, um, the July ACT, the August SAT, so that when you're starting junior, or excuse me, senior year, that you are taking, still taking a rigorous course load. That's really important to colleges, not to slack off senior year, right? But you've got those test scores that you maybe want. If you are still going, oh, just one more time, one more time, you do have some opportunities in September and October, earliest deadlines tend to be November 1st. We have a couple of colleges in the U.S. here that are October 15th. Um, internationally speaking, I have limited experience, but, you know, um, Cambridge is like also October 15th. So you want to start midway through junior year. Some students start earlier. Um, I don't suggest starting too much earlier than junior year, uh, but you should have plenty of time junior year to do that. Again, safely testing. Wow, that's a that's wonderful information. Um, is one test better than the other? Great question. No. So, you, you know, if for those of us from long ago, it kind of used to be that the SAT was sort of the coastal test if you're on the east or west coast. And the ACT was you know, Midwest, middle of the country. Um, and so, you know, I just took the ACT. I was from the Midwest, right? Colleges don't care. And so it's really to students' advantage to figure out which one is better for them. Which one do they like to take? Um, so they don't have a preference on which test that they will accept. They'll accept yeah. either. I think that is really good advice because when my girls were going um, through the process, no one even talked to them about the ACT. Interesting. Um, everyone just said, when are you taking the SAT? Mm. In fact, I don't recall anybody even bringing up the ACT. Hmm. It was quite interesting. But when I was in high school, I remember uh, we took the ACT and the SAT, which I didn't understand why I had to do both. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that you have that choice. And I think people need to realize that it is a choice. Yeah, and it's one of it's one of the things that students can control in this process. And I am as a as a college counselor, I am all about what you can control. It feels like it's all on the college's side to decide if you're worthy. And I'm here to tell you you're worthy. <laughs> so it's it's just one of those things that let me take control of this process and then understanding should I submit and not submit. So really for the class of 2022, you guys are in a great position. Students, um, you know, that are currently juniors, you, you most likely can apply to colleges test optional. And so if you're coming in and you're just saying, I'm not getting that score that I am, but man, I, you know, I'm an A student and I'm an AB student and I just can't get there. It's like, okay, let's kind of figure out, you know, look at the stats from last year, figure out who are they taking? How many of the students are they taking um, that are that didn't submit tests? Absolutely. Do you recommend courses? Like, should someone take a class to help them maybe do well on the SAT or the ACT or even the GRE for that matter? Do you mm -hmm. recommend courses? And if so, would you mind sharing which courses you recommend? Yeah, you know, I um, I don't do the test prep myself. I do, um, depending on the family and their needs, I do recommend some kind of test prep. And students should know that Khan Academy is free test prep. 
So that's, you know, you can take practice and um, SAT and kind of see where your weaknesses are and then get on Khan Academy. There are so many test prep companies out there. Um, and of course, there, prior to COVID, there were some already online um, that were pretty reputable that had some results. Um, I think Revolution Prep or Method Test Prep come to mind. Um, they're, but they're, they can be quite expensive, right? So I think, you know, I, I work with students who will, who will engage with, you know, that kind of test prep, I have many students who buy the books, right? So they'll, they'll buy the Princeton review book or, you know, go on Amazon and buy the $20 book and they will, they will just focus uh, their test prep. And I just recommend making sure that you set aside time each week to do that, um, to make sure that you're prepping um, in the area that you need to. Um. How much time would you recommend a student put aside to study for the SAT or the ACT? Oh, that is a question. I can, I just have to say I can't answer that question just because it is not my area of expertise. Uh, I think um, dedicating uh, probably six to 12 weeks prior to that. And 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 really for us, students have to remember that testing is all in relation to their goals. So I, I mean, I work with some students who, you know, will bust out a 34 on their ACT and I'm like, okay, Whoa, like you're in the 99th percentile. Oh, I, I, you know, my personal goal is I want to get here. We have these conversations like, uh, okay. And then others who say, okay, I have taken it twice. I'm at a 22. What do you think? And we're talking about the colleges. So it's like, do you need to retake it based on the colleges that we're talking about? And it's again, everything's contextual, right? So when students are like, I just need to keep getting it up. It's like, well, for what? Are we talking about merit money? Are we talking about admission? Because it's all in relation to where they're applying. So it, it, it does become that context. So um, my apologies, I can't put a, I can't quantify, you know, what, what that would look like for each student, but, but do want uh, to stress that each um, student's goals are unique to themselves and, and where they're applying and, and why, why are they testing and what do they need? No, I, I assume that you wouldn't be able to, but I wanted, <laughs> I wanted you to kind of bring that out there and talk about it a little bit. Um, so we have a few minutes before we take break, and I want to talk a little bit about scholarships. Yes. Um, do Does the SAT score or the ACT score um, determine what scholarship somebody would get? And, and right now in the time of COVID, does that does that differ? You know, because if somebody does not take the SAT or the ACT, are they still eligible for scholarships? So what a great question. Thank you for asking it. Um, the answer is yes and yes. <laughs> so prior to COVID, um, you know, I'm going to use Arizona State University, our hometown university right here. With Yay. Phoenix. <laughs> Yay. Um, so prior to COVID, they, you would need a GPA and test score. And they actually have this really great, um, you know, ca- uh, scholarship estimator online. Um, and so kids could even see if I get just this much more on the SAT, I could add two more thousand a year to my merit money, right? So um, that's actually quite typical. Some some colleges will uh, post right on their websites, like this is what you need, your, your GPA and, and usually your unweighted GPA. And we can talk about that in a minute and your test score. Now, COVID happening, um, Arizona State made a decision this year. They're only going to base it on um, GPA, grade point average. So 
students didn't have to take those tests, right? So we'll, again, look to see, um, depending on the pandemic, um, how that looks for 2022. I think that they may continue it, but but that's something that I keep on top of and, and try to get out to people so that they know. But it's important for students to continue to look at admission pages to understand or even reach out to the admissions office. Um, a lot of times they'll say, we'd like to hear from students. We don't hear from students very often. We love to do our work and we want to help them understand what, what does that come from. And th- that's really important to understand for scholarships. I think people are under the impression that, you know, all the little one-offs, you know, those cool scholarships that are sort of unique to you, um, they are good opportunities, but the majority of money for college comes from the college itself in the form of either a merit scholarship or something that they could apply for separately, depending on the school. Wow, that's wonderful information. And and just so our listeners know, I actually offer a $250 scholarship every quarter. Um, all you have to do is go to my website. Oh, my gosh. ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Um, it's a $10 fee, which typically goes to, well, not typically, it always goes to the next scholarship. Um, and all you have to do is write a 500-word essay on how you're going to use the money. And not only do you get the $250, but you get published. I will publish you on my uh, uh, website. So easy money, totally easy money. Wonderful, Um, wonderful. Yeah, so um, I just want to thank you um, for being here today. We're going to take a break here in a a minute. Um, We've been talking to Mary Hagar, Independent Educational Consultant. Um, She is going to come back from break and talk more about how she helps her students um, get into college or get into the right college for them. Um, And uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you for listening. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fazia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Fazia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to learn how to remember your future? Introducing a brand new listening experience, The Whole in One, Life Stories of Love, Wisdom, and Truth, with your host and guide, Sheila E. Heron from Ireland. Join Sheila on this amazing journey of discovery as she interviews a menagerie of specially selected guests to help you to change the narrative of your life. It only takes one day to change your life. Tune in to Whole in One. 
with Sheila Ihirai every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on your Voice America Empowerment Channel and learn how to tell yourself that different story. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi. I'm your host. I'm also a, an executive function coach here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I help individuals improve things like processing speed. I help them improve their focus organizational skills, time management skills, anything that maybe helps them improve their success rate. And today we're meeting with Mary Hagar. She's an independent educational consultant uh, who also is or used to be a college counselor. And she's going to talk to us about um, how she works with families and how she works individually with students to help them become uh, successful in the process of getting into college. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. Good to be here. Well, thank you for being here. Um, I want to spend the remainder of our time together talking specifically about what it is you do with your families, with the students to help them succeed in the process of applying to colleges. And then maybe once they get into college, we can talk about, you know, maybe the interview process and, and all the things that will help them be successful in this wonderful journey that you help them um go on. So uh, let's talk about what you do. So what, you know, what I do is I work with high school students anywhere from ninth grade on and, and, and depending on when they're coming in with me, right. When they say we really need your help um, is it's the same process. It's a matter of doing a really deep dive into information gathering of the student. And I do that through something called the Indigo assessment, which um, assesses their um, motivators and their, what they kind of evaluate as their own skills and where they're at um, interests and um, gives them a nice snapshot about who they are. Um, I also do a deep dive into a student questionnaire to understand their goals. Um, talk with parents on, on what parents' expectations are. And, you know, when if they come in early in ninth grade, sometimes they just need some guidance and suggestions on, you know, how do I pick what I'm involved in outside of school? And it's really focusing on them. Um, you know, the key to all this, when people say, how do I get into these highly selectives is it's really honoring yourself. And so helping ninth, 10th, 11th graders say, what are you interested in? You don't have to have this all figured out. What are you interested in exploring? What do you want to do? Um, When we're talking about community service, instead of sort of checking boxes, 
what bothers you? What, what angers you? What, what problems do you want to solve in the world? And maybe I can suggest to them um, some, some organizations that they could work for. So we're talking about guiding high school students um, to have experiences that mean something to them. So the end is not like I'm doing this to get in. This is actually supporting them in that process. The other major piece of that too is also, you know, what are you doing in school? Where are you at in school? So some students have taken, I mean, it's crazy to me, but those kids are taking pre-calculus in 10th grade or, you know, ninth grade, and they're, they're on a different track. It's sort of making sure that their rigor stays the same, that they're continuing to challenge themselves. And then for other students who are saying, hey, this is as much as I can handle, right, academically. Okay, let's talk about that. You know, finding, working with students and families to find that balance of uh, what the, the student is challenging themselves, but sort of respecting themselves mental health, physical health wise as well. Um, going from that, then it's a matter of, okay, academically, we know what we're doing. You know what clubs and things you want to be involved in. Come junior year, we're really, I'm actually probably sophomore year too. We're still talking about colleges that might be interested in them, going beyond the names of colleges. What is it that you're looking for? Do you want, you know, a co-op experience? What's that? What, what does these colleges offer? And, and one of the things I did want to note, especially for anybody um, listening internationally, I think there's some confusion in the United States about college universities. So anybody outside of the U.S., typically speaking, a college means community college, whereas in the United States, colleges um, are great resources for, it's so our community colleges, for um, undergraduates. Uh, professors will go to teach at colleges, um, Grinnell College, Reed College, right? These kind of colleges that maybe students haven't heard of um, that are excellent institutions to help launch careers or a career in academia where they go on and get their PhD. So, it's a part of that process is really helping students inform them first what's out there, maybe a Christian college. It could be, there. You know, I mean, it's like, they're like, that's really a thing. And I'm like, yes. And then helping them come up with basically a good list of colleges, kind of balanced, right? You know, not, not all reach colleges where they don't know if they're going to get in or not. And my goal is always to have that pretty much set by August of their senior year. I, I get a little paternalistic with the students because so much is expected of them that I kind of like them to have things in order before they get to senior year, right? They know where they're going to apply. Certainly, I've helped students who've come to me September, October of their senior year, and they need help either with essays or that kind of thing. But but then it's but this is such a unique process. So it's understanding the student in um, basically in the context of their family situation, parents' expectations, money. Money is a big thing for college, of course. Talking oh, absolutely. About my gosh, first off, talking about that and then taking them through the process of and supporting them through the applications, but doing all the work on that front end for them to understand who am I and what do I want out of this college experience and why I'm a, uh, decided on these colleges will make that fall of their senior year, that summer before their senior year. So, you know, just seamless in applying. It won't feel as stressful as it would just coming in blind. Thank you. That was such a wonderful bit of information. I, I really appreciate that. You talked a little bit about the Indigo assessment. Yeah. Uh, can you explain to our listeners what the Indigo assessment is? 
Um, I can. So I have been fortunate enough to work with this company when I was working at one of the charter schools here in Phoenix. And um, uh, many times uh, consultants will use a kind of an assessment, a personality sort of assessment to understand their student better. How can they optimally work with their student? Um, I reached out to this company. This, this is a company formed by Sherry Smith. We'll give her a little plug in Colorado. And she, uh, in her previous life, had been a career consultant and was working for with people in their 40s who were miserable in their jobs, right? And they had the golden handcuffs as, you know, they had the mortgage and the family and they couldn't really get out of the career. And she thought, what am I doing? I need to catch these people on the front end of their um, university experience. So she works with high school, high schools around the nation and also universities in using this particular assessment. They were very kind to allow me to um, work with them to use this with my clients. And so there's three parts to the Indigo. Um, one of it's a Likert scale, and it's all self-report by the student. I think they enjoy taking it, but it's a Likert scale of 23 skills based on what the student uh, reports on theirs. And then also um, the DISC profile for any of us who had worked in, in corporations or companies in our adult life that, you know, uh, dominant influence, um, steadiness, compliance score, um, and then also um, a motivator scale, which is actually why I decided why I really decided to uh, use this with my clients because I, I want to know what really gets students going. And the other thing about the motivator scale, it really helps them understand other people. And hopefully in all of that, we all tolerate each other and understand who we are uniquely. Um, it prints out this fantastic report. Of course, at the end, it may say, hey, here's some career um, career things that careers that might be a good fit for you based on this assessment. Um, but honestly, it gives so much insight into the student. I have the same reaction. Most of my students will say, well, the majority will say, I didn't know somebody could kind of figure this out about me. Like, wow. Um, there's a whole summary page. And if, and honestly, for a student, any students listening out there, parents out there, um, you know, if you end up using this, um, Indigo assessment at schools that may use this, that summary page is, is a great page to give your counselor, just if they don't know you at all, if there's, you know, you're in a class of 700 students, it really gives some really nice insight into who the student is as a person. Now, I know that you offer this um, Indigo assessment for my clients. Is this something that you'd be willing to offer for our listeners at a special rate? And, and if so, could you tell them how much that's going to be for them Absolutely. And, how they, and how they can get that assessment? Um, so, yes, for our listeners today, um, I would be happy to offer uh, the administration of the Indigo assessment and then a debrief with me, which takes about anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes for $150. It's usually $200. So I'm happy to do that for the listeners today. And they can, they can email me at mary at hagercollegeconsulting.com. And Hager is with ER. Many times they think it's AR, H-A-G-E-R, um, hagercollegeconsulting.com. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful tool to help you learn more about yourself, even if you're not interested in going to college. I, I think that's a really, really yes. nice tool to have. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, give uh, give Mary um, shoot Aaron, shoot Mary an email and get that uh, Indigo assessment going. Um, how long do you typically work with students, Mary? Um, when do they start coming to you? I, when should they start coming to you? I should say. I would love them. It's the same price if they come in ninth grade or eleventh grade. So I, 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 um, I love when they come earlier because it's, 
Um, it's more time to really work with them. I don't set a time limit typically for students. So I'm not taking them through a set curriculum. It's a really customized process. The majority of my students in starting out have come sometime during junior year. Um, and that's totally fine as well. That's optimal. I do do some work um, with students in the fall. If they're just like, hey, I know where I'm applying to college. I, you can help me with my essays. I do that as well. But opt optimally, which seems early is ninth or 10th grade. And that is really to understand what classes are you taking? What are you doing in your free time? What are you doing with your summers? So that's the other thing is, are you exploring your interests? Summer is a great time if you're not working or planning to work um, to figure out, you know, either, I mean, taking courses, free courses online, um, you know, going and having an experience. Like there's so much out there uh, for students to experience so they can understand um, perhaps their, you know, interests as they evolve. Wonderful. So you said it's the same cost whether they come to you um, junior year versus freshman year. Yes. Can you tell us, one, what that cost is? And two, can you tell us what your process is? What are, I know you customize for each of your students, but what are some of the things that you go through? Do you, do you talk about letters of recommendation? Do you talk about the essays? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the compre I call it the comprehensive plan. The comprehensive plan in total is $6,000. Um, and again, not limited to hours or a set number of meetings. So what that includes is all the information gathering in the beginning um, and then everything in between, right? So, so that is a matter of academic, selecting academic courses, um, extracurricular activities, uh, service activities, um, resume, um, which more and more colleges are taking. That was not even a thing five years ago. And now um, I work with my juniors. That's one of the first things we do after we do all our information gathering is getting that resume with details in place. And that really helps students with all the activity lists that colleges want in the fall. Um, and then they can see too, it's like, whoa, I'm weak on this. I need to, you know, uh, do more here, that kind of thing. Um, and then identifying the colleges. So I think that's a big thing is I've done prior to COVID so much traveling around the nation and, and really colleges do have, I don't want to say different vibes, but they do. Right. So understanding what all the colleges offer and then working with um, the student within the family unit to just go, okay, here are the colleges I'm suggesting. Let's do a deep dive. And of course that's, that's not, you know, they, they'll decide too with me, um, you know, where they want to end up applying. Right. And then completely supporting them through that process for every student that looks different. Right. So I may work with students who have heavy research experience. So they might have an additional uh, research supplement for you that they're doing. So I'm supporting them through that. If they're applying to schools that have essays for scholarships, I support them through that. And so it, it, we're identifying that. So, if, you know, how, how many money is important to everybody, right? So when we're talking about value for college, it's like, let's, if they're saying it, merit money is a must, okay, I'll help you find colleges that will give you money. So let's, and so educating people on that and coming up with that list. And then once August, we have that list down, then it is supporting them through um, how do you work with your counselor to, to maximize that letter of recommendation? How do, how do you work with the counselor to support it? I am an adjunct to all this. So I'm, I'm kind of just going deeper on all aspects that um, college counselors, especially at private or charter schools, um, do at that point. So it's really supporting them through the entire process. I have supported students in making the decision. I have certain techniques on that as well, if they're just so confused. And it's like, I've been working with them for two years. So I'll even go back to, 
previous conversations about what we're talking about and, and just saying, okay, this is what was important to you. I'm going to remind you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and just whatever parents need, you know, th through the process. Um, I do have a special software that I use that students have access to. And we, we work through that parents are, I'm in communication with parents. Um, and so it's a really cohesive process. So it sounds to me like there's really no reason why they wouldn't or shouldn't work with you. If you're helping them get scholarships and merit money, that six um, that $6,000 comes back to them probably tenfold. Yeah, it, it's sometimes, I think the number is sometimes hard for people. And especially I think when they're on the coast or California, Phoenix, it's like, okay, we're getting there. We're starting to understand the value here. When even saying to students, go back or let's work with ASU and let's get that extra 2000 a year. And that might even be, I even do blocks of time for students. I'm just doing ASU or the honors college at ASU. Okay. Let's do one block of time for $800. So that's the other offering I have. And so um, actually a lot of students will do that and just say, I'm just applying to Barrett. I had a number this past fall. Great. We got it done within, make sure you're sending everything in. So you're maximizing your scholarship done. And so um, for, for others that are just saying, we don't need that much, I definitely have a different plan for you. You're like, I don't need all that. I think I'm staying home. I need to be near home. How do I maximize that? And so I, I like to um, accommodate what people need and really help them through this um, unnecessarily complicated process. Absolutely. Um, do you work with individuals just in the Phoenix area or do you work with students from around the country or can you also work with individuals internationally? I have worked with students outside of the um, outside of Arizona and it's interesting this is a really a referral basis so Fazia as you may know you know people work or will, will work with you if they like you and trust you, right? And so then the referrals come, yes, she's trustworthy, she's part of the professional organizations, ethical, all those kind of things. Um, so yes, I work with students from around the United States. And also um, I have yet to work with an international student. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, the, the virtual world has, you know, really connected us. And as you might imagine, my students in Scottsdale and Chandler and Mesa are meeting me on Zoom right now. So, you know, if somebody is outside of the country, it's this, the same in-depth service by Zoom, right? As, as students said, hopefully at some point I'll get to meet, so. Wow. It would be awesome if you could start working with uh, individuals internationally, because I think you have a tremendous service to offer. Uh, I love what you do. I, I you. wish I had known about your service when my girls were getting ready to go to college, even though they both had scholarships. I think that you would have helped them in some way. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about letters of recommendations and college interviews. When you're helping individuals get into a college, um, do you also talk about what should be in their letter of recommendation as well as um, maybe their personal statement essays um, and, and what to talk about specifically in their interviews? Yeah, I, you know, when we were talking about this previously, uh, one of the things I neglected to mention is, you know, we're talking about like the counselor letter of recommendation, which is really um the counselor will talk about what the, who the student is within the wall, the halls of this school, right, and in their community. And so students are saying, yeah, you know, I'm not in a class of 50. I'm in a class of 400 students, 800 students. How's this going to happen? That's when you're, yes, you maximize um, what the counselor needs from you. And oftentimes, the counseling office will say, fill out this sheet. 
take your time to fill out that sheet with as much detail as possible. The other advice I'd like to give is if parents are afforded the opportunity um, to have input, either through, they usually call them brag sheets, you know, like, can I say this about my student, um, to give that to the counselor, that's invaluable. Sometimes parents say, don't they know my student, even in smaller schools? It's difficult to, um, they do know your student in smaller schools, but sometimes parents know about certain experiences, especially rated, related to a student's character, that the student would not talk about. That's happened to me as a high school counselor where I had parents come in and would tell me different things or write it. And I I would have no, no idea. And in a couple instances, I did include that in my letter. I didn't know that just, just wonderful character leadership, right? An example of it in a difficult situation. Um, and though, I mean, I was, I have no doubt that that really helped the students with these highly selective schools, because again, when everything else is equal, the test scores, the grades, the curriculum, um, you know, all these things. What are they looking at? They're looking to really get to know the student beyond that. So always just do exactly what your college counseling office is saying. <laughs> what do they need from you? And be really great to them. And then um, also in rela relation to essays, that's really your opportunity as a student to um, have your voice in the in the application. So um, you get to tell your story. So for any international students listening, this is really different than applying to international schools where they want you to sort of tie in your academic goals mainly, right? So um, the, the, the U.S. schools really want to get to know you. And so it's like, oh, the, the college essay, the personal statement, how do I do this? It's not... Um, it could be a mundane topic. It doesn't have to be life-changing, right? And so some I was giving a presentation last week and some of, some of the examples I use, I can tell you guys so you know. Um, one was uh, a couple for, well, former student I worked with who um, talked about her journey um, growing up with her um, parents who were immigrants uh, to the United States and just being really um, embarrassed by their mannerisms that were totally culturally appropriate, right? And how different trips back to her homeland made her really appreciate her there, but still like on her continued journey about this as a sort of first generation American. And it was so vulnerable and honest and at times kind of funny because she's kind of funny. And so it was really successful. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that that's an awesome story. Um, are there any topics that... Uh, students should avoid talking about, or are there any specific topics that they should focus on? You know, I would say topics to avoid, they have to remember their audience and its admission officers. And so they're kind of from all walks of life and typically all ages, right? They could be recent college grad graduates to older. So I always say really do stay away from politics and religion, even if it's like super important to you. Other, other ones that may have been overdone um, every year are, and I always say to my students, I know the mission trip was actually life-changing for you. Um, but everybody writes about that. So there might be in, in me working with my students, I might say, let's talk about that a little bit more. Like, what was it about it? But the idea of writing about, you know, I went and spent a week somewhere and it changed how I thought about things. That's really overdone as well. I would avoid it. Um, so again, um, reflecting on looking through your whole application and saying, okay, these are the things that just I'm sending all the scores and numbers and that kind of thing. What do I want them to know about me? Um, and so, you know, I think they can look through the uh, Common App essay prompts and just see what would that be. Don't think about what you think college admissions officers want to hear. They've heard it all. They've heard it. They've read it and heard it all. But guess what they haven't read? 
your story. So um, I would say try not to overthink it in the sense of when you have first reaction to some of those prompts, you're right on. That's wonderful. You are right on. They're like, that's not a college essay. And I'm like, yeah, it is. So it's, it's just kind of going into the detail about that and letting them into your life a bit. Wonderful. Well, Mary, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Um, so thank you, Mary Hager. Um, H-A-G-E-R. And could you give everybody your email address again, please? Yes. It's Mary at Hager College Consulting.com. So if you'd like to get in touch with Mary about either the Indigo assessment or if you'd like to get her services, uh, please shoot her an email and, um, you know, she'd be happy to do that Indigo assessment for $150 for you. So that is an absolute wonderful value. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to Mary Hagar as much as I enjoyed talking to her today. Um, She's absolutely amazing. And um, I'm Fazia Costi. I am your host and also executive function coach here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And I look forward to having you all come back next week and uh, listen to the show again. If you'd like to get in touch with me, my email is fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com or you can go to my website at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.